This week on the podcast, I got Keegan Holbreth. He's a friend of mine who I originally met working at one of the gyms where I train, uh, Wasatch Fitness Academy. He came in looking to get better for ski season, and it was very clear, like right out the gate, that his work ethic was ridiculous. And came to learn later that he was an ultra runner and he was really struggling with his nutrition. So he and I spent some time working on that, got to know each other a little bit. And he recently finished his first 100K at the Beaverhead Endurance Runs, which is a really difficult one to do, especially as your first 100K. So we sat down recently to chat about that race and nutrition and training and all sorts of stuff. So I hope you get something out of this interview and get to know Keegan. He is definitely going to be big on the scene here if he wants to be. He's only 26 and he has a long career in this sport if he wants to. Hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. Today, we're going to have a short interview with Keegan Holworth. He's an athlete I've known. We originally met at a gym where I work, and he recently finished the Beaverhead 100K, which is a pretty brutal run up in Idaho. And we have a pretty hard stop in about 20 minutes due to, you know, shared work responsibilities, but I wanted to get him on the podcast and talk about hard running shit. So Keegan, um, how did you get into this crazy sport? Like it's, it's admittedly absurd to run this far. Like how did, and I asked this of everybody, how did you get started in this? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, um, so I think I found the whole ultra running community to be very empowering, but it kind of started actually when COVID hit. Um, at that point, I decided to do a, I decided to do what's, uh, there's a, a polar explorer by the name of Colin O'Brady and this individual decided to do this thing called the calendar club. And it was the idea of, um, on April 1st, you're going to run one mile on April 2nd, you're going to run two miles April 3rd, you're going to run three and you stay that consistency kind of all the way through the month. So I had actually finished the month of April in 2020, when COVID hit with 434 miles, 63,000 feet of elevation gain over the course of those days. And I think that was kind of my propellant, or I guess the ball that, or I guess the push that moved the ball. And from that point, it was, yeah, from that oh, point, it I was didn't like, know that. No, and I don't, I don't, I mean, it's not like I go around, you know, talking about that all the time. It's just kind of one of those things that when COVID hit, I needed something, I guess, something new yeah. to do. Um, but I think I'd already developed the mindset needed, but it was just, you know, something to do. It was COVID. So it was called the calendar that. club. Yeah. I started a powerlifting program and put on a ton of muscle mass in my upper body. Like you got it, you had to do something totally. or else you lost your mind. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's really cool. For sure. Yeah, but it did sacrifice a lot in my work and like sure. in my relationships. And there were so many other things that just <laughs> pumped it. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. I mean, that's fair. I feel like ultra running is inherently not like a balanced lifestyle like i don't think i don't know and that's okay you you have seasons to your life so it doesn't make it's it's not surprising to me that kind of some other stuff fell off but totally. have you found that there's totally. any totally. more like have you found more ability to kind of balance the the running and the not running throughout your life these days yeah it does seem like it's more of a push and pull though just because you know 
I think at Wasatch Fitness Academy, there's always this underlying idea that people like to be in the mountains. And I found that in the community, really, everybody had an interest of something, but it always involved the mountains. But in the running world, you know, it's such a complete opposite from the the climbing community. It's like a push and a a pull. It's like there's correlations, but there's not. And it is is a balancing act. Um, But I would say, oof. You know, overall, it's gotten better. I don't, I wish I had a more direct answer. I feel like I just skirted around that question. Um, But, you know, for the most part, I think it just took time to develop the proper, the kind of the proper time (laughs) management on how to manage the training and then how to actually kind of do good in my job to continue, you know, progressing and things like that too. So I wish I had more insight, but I think it just kind of came down to my concept of time and and how I value that time. I get that, man. I think to some degree, once you have that base, it's easier to maintain and like make slow, slow builds rather than trying to build that from the ground up. Right. So like right now I'm in that base build phase and it's taking me just an insane amount of time a week. But once mm. you're there, like the maintenance and then the push to a harder thing can take less time. That's totally. right. Totally. That, that is actually, <laughs> I feel like that is an act. That's a really good way to look at it. Totally. So, I mean, you recently did the Beaverhead 100K and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you mostly about here. Um, yeah, you and I have not talked about this just for everybody else. So like, how, how did it go, dude? Like I followed you, your tracker all day long beyond that. How'd it go? <laughs> you know, started at the starting line, you know, 4am put, started putting salt in my mouth prior to the start of the race <laughs> was at the starting line, you know, putting table salt in my mouth, kind of lining up the starting yeah. line. And I get to this, um, I get to the starting line and it's on the Idaho Montana border and you know, the gun, the gunshot goes off or whatever, and everybody takes off and, you know, we go into a single file, single track trail for, you know, 20 plus miles. It was on the CET and first aid station. I started to consume a a good amount of kind of like more carbohydrates, a lot of fruits, a lot of uh, kind of those sort of things kind of continued to take some salt. Um, I actually had a bowel movement around mile 10 and a half. That was game changing. So I was able to get <laughs> off the trail for a little bit. And kind Sometimes of you need that. that. So that was, oh, dude, it was game changing. It was enlightening, actually. I feel like that's the right word to use. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, I think it was more of a focus and just knowing like, you know, I had a different mentality going through this race just because if it was the elevation, the amount of gain and the amount of loss within the 100K distance. And it was more of a, a mentality of, not looking at it from the larger perspective of the miles, but instead, how do I get to the next aid station? What's sure. What do I need to do now in the present moment to grind to that next point and get to me where I want to go? Um, and I think that was kind of my biggest, my biggest focus. And that's kind of what pushed me through. And the race got to be pretty intense at one point, you know, on the back half after mile 52, yeah. you know, the last 10 miles or so, it turned into a scree field. And for those that are, that are in the Wasatch here would be similar to kind of the world style terrain. Um, oh, as you do the world, you kind of, you go around and you kind of are in this high Alpine environment and you're kind of jumping from rock to rock. And that's outside is miles, the you know, Wasatch ultimate Ridge link up. It is like, it's notorious. It's like 30 miles. And I think the FKT is like 15 hours or something on it. It's just yeah, it's some absurd. absurd. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it was in similar terrain, you know, uh, as, as the world. And, 
that actually energized me surprisingly oh, enough yeah. i don't know what it is i think it's the, the climber in me or it's the split border in me that's like i love sure. to be up high standing in high places and you know i get up to this alpine and i my nutrition was pretty pretty on point as Good. well throughout this entire race um you know pretty much stayed on top of it never let it get behind me but for the most part you oh, know, yeah. the end of the race was probably my my low moment and then i kind of just pushed through it and kept going and got to the finish line Good man. And I mean, yeah, two directions. I want to take that. Let's start with the last one. Sure. So your low moment, like what, what kind of spurred that? I mean, watching your timer, you were cruising for a while and then I guess kind of saw your like splits get a little slower and I could tell you're getting tired. Yeah. Um, what kind of pushed that low moment? What was going on there and what helped you push through it? I think it's the other thing that people would be yeah. like fully to know or want to know. Totally. So I think what caused it, number one, I, I had, just kind of through this scree section in the back half of the race you had you descend yeah. like what like seven thousand feet out of nowhere or six thousand or something along those lines. i think it's like don't quote me on the number 000, i think it's six thousand less like six miles it's absurd yeah it's, un- it's like unreal. an absurd amount of <clears throat> elevation loss and it's like straight downhill and i had just gotten off this scree field and i'm kind of on my way down this trail and it, it hit me really hard that i was just i hadn't drinking enough water I had not eaten enough food. I kind of just took a moment. I actually stopped on the trail. I took a moment and I actually took my pack off and I decided to actually eat something. Um, And that made a difference. But I think what pulled me through though is I'm not in a, you know, I kind of spoke out loud of what was going on and then I pulled myself out of it and I kind of just spoke it into existence of what needed to happen. And that worked for me. I don't think it's going to work for everybody. You know, something that you just develop, but like, I just kind of started talking to myself. And at that point, your brain's already pretty much, there's not much going on. <laughs> at that point. Um, so anything you say is, is, is going to make an impact because it's, it's coming out of your mouth. Um, so I, I kind of just talked myself through it and kind of just knew that, Hey, I just got to get to this next, you know, this next aid station. And then after that, it's, it's pushing to the finish, but my lowest moment probably didn't hit me until mile 53. And then yeah. at that point I was uh, pretty down and, I took a short video actually of just kind of for nostalgic purposes of sure. what was happening in that moment. And I noticed my, my speech, my speech was slurred. My, my face just looked like I was a drunk actually. It was really interesting. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, spoke it out loud and got through it. Yeah. Good man. I mean, the race is unreal. I forget what the elevation and everything is, but it, it looks both beautiful. Like if you have the fitness to do it, you probably should. But it also just looks really hard, like a really hard thing to do. Well, <laughs> online, the, and I guess it, as a Western States qualifier, it kind of was a, yeah. a race that had to have a lot of gain and a lot of loss. And mm-hmm. as it goes, you know, the online website said it was 12,000 vert gain. And my watch, for whatever reason, said 10.9. So oh. I think there's a variance there. Yeah. Uh, and that's to be determined. That's always what happens with these sure. systems or whatever. So, um, yeah, for the most part, just kind of grinded it out. Solid race, really good people, met some amazing humans. And awesome, um, I think it really co- comes back to the nutrition, surprisingly enough. I think I stayed ahead of it early enough in the race where I stayed consistent. I allowed my body to know when it needed the carbs at one point i started eating bacon because it was at an aid station i was like this is life-changing it was salt it was fatty it was protein it was exactly what i needed and i took a handful of it and i put it down the hatch and it kept me going to the next spot so yeah it was it was pretty cool 
I mean, that's awesome, man. I, to, I mean, you clearly know this, but people listening to this don't. The reason you and I started working together on running is because you kept bonking in the mountains, right? Like after a couple hours. Yeah. So the fact that you just crushed, what that take you for? What was your time on this? So I don't mm, overshoot you. 18 hours. Yeah. So the fact that you did like 18, 18 hours and managed to make, you know, make it yeah. through that without really hitting a hard wall is incredible in less than a year yeah that's awesome dude Facts. yeah so what I, did you do I would nutrition? say it contributes yeah i think it actually contributes back to what you and i had kind of had these convert these longer conversations of like testing and going out and applying these ideas and it doesn't work how does it yep. work you know how did it affect your body and i kind of had my own notes and my own thinking and kind of taking a, a pretty logical approach to it and awesome. i think it made a huge difference but from a nutrition standpoint, I feel like that's number one. If you're going to try to do these things, I think that that is always going to be number one because that bonk is just hard to overcome once you hit it. Totally. It's brutal, man. It's it, like, you're not, you're going to struggle to dig yourself out of it. Do you have, did you have any gut issues through this whole thing? Um, I had some gut rock at one point, but I think it was just dehydrated. So I downed a Fair. flask and kind of just kept going, you know? Yeah. And when your elevation the, is so high, guess, that makes when, sense. Yeah. When you've worked with, uh, I guess, some of the other people that you've worked with, do you find that they've kind of experienced a similar issue? Does it always come back to nutrition or is it more of a fitness thing? I mean, it's both. And like, right. And those two play, those two things play into each other. Like the fitter you are, yeah. the more variety of things you can eat. Like there's someone, um, his name's Chris. He, I, Helped him get through a Boston qualifier. And in the process of that, he ran the antelope 50 miler and he's a savage. Like mm. he qualified for Boston. His fitness is way higher than mine. So he can eat like quesadillas and peanut butter all day long while like cruising a 50 miler. Whereas like for me, it needs to be highly digestible carbohydrates because I'm not fit enough to do that. Sure. And it very much comes back and forth. So like I would have to be walking to be able to eat bacon while running. Like, like it's just not a thing. Whereas for you, that was a like life-changing thing in that moment. And those two things play together. That said, like I would say nutrition plays probably a bigger, and if, if we're going to say that, including like sodium hydration, like all the things that play into that, probably a bigger role than most people recognize. Because a lot of the time you just get used to kind of feeling like shit when you push really hard. <laughs> And Something I've always been curious if there was <clears throat> science behind it. What are the effects for specifically watermelon? I don't know what it is, but it seems like that is like the hottest commodity in these things. It's like everybody wants it. Everybody needs it. And it's like, if you got it, you're the guy, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a drug dealer. <laughs> got the watermelon. Oh man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's something to that for sure. And it's kind of funny that you say that. I mean, like, I know that's a big thing for a lot of runners. I very honestly think that the main factor is it forces you to consume a ton of water because um, it's like 95 plus percent water. And as a result, you just ingest a lot and avoid dehydration. There's some sugar in it, but it's like a garbage for source of calories, really like ounce for ounce, but it is an incredible source of fluid. And I think it just tastes really good and helps you hydrate really well. And yeah, like there's also lycopene or something in it who gives your muscles a little bit of a boost, but we're talking like, you'd probably have to eat four slices, four or five slices at every aid station for it to add up at all. Some people do that, but for the most part, I think it's just a like fun way to hydrate. 
Yeah, and not only that, but I think it's a mental thing too, right? It kind of reminds you of being a kid. Maybe it kind oh, of sure. gives you that uplifting. Yeah, it's just kind of like totally is a, a mood booster. It's kind of nice. Absolutely, man. I mean, sometimes that plays in more than I think we give credit for. Yeah, totally. So like, what did your, you said it was such a big change. Like what did your nutrition look like throughout this race? Like obviously bacon at some point, but what else were you using that seemed to work out? Yeah. Um, so kind of just reflecting on that. So, you know, goose, so the race was really split up into pretty, there's hard cutoffs, you know, just like every other race. Yep. Um, but the race was set up in two different sections. The back half was harder than the first half. So the first 30 miles were going to be a little bit easier, more mellow rolling terrain. And then the back half was much more steep alpine, kind of high in the ridgelines between nine, six and 10,000 feet until you descended to the bottom. So the first half, I put a really hard emphasis on um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, just like simple, simple things that I could just put in my gut. And then additionally, like goo packets, um, honey stingers. And kind of maintaining that through that first half and making sure I eat enough. Um, So my timeline actually was very much so shorter. So my, my, if you were to look at my splits, my split and the first half of the race was a lot slower. I'd, I'd use that time to just go through the race. I didn't want to move quickly. I'd rather just wanted to move efficiently versus the back half. And, you know, I had to kind of do a little bit of both. Um, but really, I think it stemmed down to just utilizing what was at aid stations. And then I had my own my own system of just, you know, let's say, remember at one at one specific point, I started to eat the what did I have? I had like a ham and cheese with turkey and lettuce. And I just yeah. I had like ate half a sandwich. And it was game changing. I was like, this is what my body needed. And it was, it was, it was really good. And then honey as well was also something I started to use too. Okay. I think the biggest change in reality was just the amount of food I needed to consume <laughs> to continue. I think that was what it was. It's an insane amount. Like so, I think, yeah, I think it's unbelievable to most people. Tell them how many it calories is. you burn during one of these things. Finally, when we finally do like the number calculations, that's nine. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think and for I'm you it's like eight thousand calories or something. Like it was, yeah. absurd. I feel like I'm pretty young in the game too, because it seems like, you know, some of these, a lot of these other people that are, you know, towing the line are, you know, in their thirties, they're in their forties. And I'm, you know, I'm still in my, I'm in my mid to late twenties. So I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of growth that can still happen. And there's a lot of um, changes that I can use to, to continue moving my life forward. But I am so young in the game and I started talking to a handful of people kind of during it and they all had their own systems kind of dialed. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting to kind of discuss that, but I think it's just, Tailwind is not always the answer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say that's uh, very accurate. It, it works yeah. for some people. For some people, it's not great. Uh, and that's right, kind of true across the board for all things. And different things might work for you at different times in your running career as well. Totally, um, totally, totally. How did your, I know we're running short on time. How did your recovery feel good. after this? Like, were you back to this pretty quick at the end or? This is a great topic, and I'm actually going to message my, I have a, just a work meeting. I'm going to message her telling I'm going to be probably like seven, ten minutes late, um, okay. and she'll be okay, but we'll still, I'll still meet with her. Sounds so, good. Thanks. Yeah, totally. So from the recovery standpoint, um, 
I think the nutrition made a huge difference because the day, the night of, I was actually able to sleep a full eight hours. I'd taken one acetaminophen to kind of reduce the, the, the swelling of my legs. Um, and it kind of knocked out that evening after I'd eaten a baked potato or something like that. Uh, so I was actually able to, to get some rest. And the following day, I woke up and not nearly as sore as previously. And awesome. probably within three days after that, I actually, the Monday after that, so the race happened on a Saturday and then it became Monday. And I looked at, you know, my roommate and I said to Hunter, his name is Hunter. I look at Hunter and I was like, Hunter, I'm like 85% recovered. I was like, I could easily go for a shakeout run right now. And he looked at me and he goes, you don't need to go do that right now, man. And I was like, you're not wrong. I don't. So I didn't, but it was kind of like one of these things that I think it just, the proper taper, you know, two weeks leading up to the race, the nutrition during it, and just kind of, you know, I think the nutrition, you know, the months leading up to the race made a huge impact on the recovery. And it was just kind of eating, you know, core, you know, the full fruits and vegetables, making sure my plates were colorful, um, making sure I got my meats, my protein or my proteins and my, my, you know, my greens and everything like that. And just kind of eating more on the, the healthier side yeah. and always burritos necessarily. And I mean, they're simple, but you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but it made a huge difference kind of in that recovery process and a cold awesome, water bath, you know, a little cold water plunge is, is pretty impactful. Nice, man. I mean, yeah, I saw your training piece. You went for a run like Tuesday after that atrocity. And I I did. That's that's awesome. Like, that's really cool. Well, what was kind of bizarre, I just, I I even, I said to myself, I was like, this has never happened before. And I had to really think about why is this happening? You know, it could just be, like you had mentioned at the beginning of our conversation today, like the foundations, you know, having that foundation and then over time, just kind of the ramping and the tapering and then taking the taper before you ramp it up again. So it was, it was pretty eye-opening to see my body recover like that. Cause it, like I said, usually it's, that's not common. Usually it's like seven days and then I'm like, Oh shit, now I can go do something. I want to take a week off. So it was, it's awesome, it was pretty man. cool to see. Yeah. That's really cool. Was this your first hundred K? It was. Yep. Legit. That's awesome. Um, yep. Yep. We'll, yep. We'll close this out so you can get to work. Is there, would you recommend this race to other people, I guess? Yeah, I would. I would recommend it to anybody interested in challenging themselves. I'd be happy to share any sort of, you know, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. I don't have an Instagram. I'm, you know, I'm on Pinterest. I'm on LinkedIn, kind of these places, um, pretty active in there. But for the most part, you know, I also have a Facebook. You can reach out to me on Facebook too. Uh, but right now, I would recommend this race to anybody who is interested in challenging themselves in their brain and their body, because it is going to be a feat um, if you choose to do the full distance and it'll be a beautiful day if you choose to, because you won't be disappointed with the views. That's for sure. That's cool, man. And what's next? Yeah. What are you looking at? You have any big things on the line? You're looking towards winter? Like what's, what's next in your calendar? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a great question. I, after finishing this, I had a couple ideas of like, what's next? And I started to look at ultra sign up and I started to look at what races were occurring. I don't, I didn't, wasn't really putting anything too heavy of as a goal right now, just because I have this kind of this injured wrist. And I think that's going to be number one, but you know, from a winter perspective, it's just, it's getting ready for slipboard season and getting ready to, you know, walking on the ridge lines, dropping in lines. So it's just going to be another, another good, hopefully a good season if I can heal up. Um, who knows though, 
you know, sometimes things, you know, impromptu things here in Salt Lake always pop up. So who knows, but right now it's just kind of staying healthy, keeping the fitness, keeping the, keeping the fitness uh, pretty solid and, and seeing if I can get this wrist healed. Awesome, man. We'll get there. You'll, yeah. you'll definitely get there. It's just going to be, it's a pain, but you'll be ready for winter. Totally. Totally. Cool. So well, thanks, man. Well, well, I appreciate it. I'm going to end this recording and uh, then hang out for a sec, but thanks everybody for cool. listening to this. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll attach Keegan's Facebook links in the notes in case you want to talk to him about the hundred K and thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.